in the worship guide. So if you'd like to follow along, you'll want to do so from the Pew Bible on page 596. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your sentinels lift up their voices. Together they sing for joy. For in plain sight they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of it, purify yourselves, you who carry the vessels of the Lord. For you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight. For the Lord God will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Julie. As I mentioned at the outset of worship, today is the second Sunday of Advent. It's the second in our series that we have titled God With Us. And we know that the season of Advent is a time of invitation. It's a time for us to prepare. It's a time for us to wait for the birth of God's Son. For us to think about the things that we want to experience in our lives and become. To look at this season through the positive lenses of hope, peace, joy, and love. Last week we started this journey thinking about the thrill of hope in our lives and how we can have a conversation of hope with people in the world around us. We might sow these seeds of hope through who we are and how we converse in the world. Today we're going to think about what it means for us to be people who experience peace in our lives but, but also take peace to the world. I wonder what our practices are, how how each of us practice this journey, how we prepare ourselves to receive the peace of God this season, how we might prepare ourselves to share the peace of God with others as well. I recently read an article that said for us to share peace in the world, we must first find peace within. For us to share peace in the world around us, We have to first experience peace within, to receive the peace of God as a great gift so that we might share the peace of God with others, which is easier said than done, amen, right? To think about what it means for us to be peace in this world. I believe in the power of words, and I believe that words matter greatly. Uh, Now, I will also admit that I am not perfect at the use of the English language. Any of you who have read any of my papers or my articles, you know that pretty quickly. I I am one who is attempting to become a better writer and orator. And because of that, it makes me stop and think about the words that I am trying to use, even when it comes to preaching. And yes, dear friends, I do prepare for this moment. I try not to speak extemporaneously. I I put some thought into the words that are going to come out on a Sunday morning because these words matter. They matter to each and every one of us. Words have power. 
There's a contemporary Christian band by the name of Hawk Nelson. I would ask if any of you know it, but of this group, but I'm afraid I would be the only one who would raise my hand. Because most of us don't listen to, oh, there's another one. Yay, two of us in the crowd, right? They sing a song titled Words. You might not have heard it, but I'm going to share with you the first line of their song. Here's how it goes. Think about words. Words, they've made me feel like a prisoner. They've made me feel set free. They've made me feel like a criminal. They've made me feel like a king. They've lifted my heart to places I've never been, and they drag me back down to where I began. Because words can build you up. Words can break you down. They can set a fire in your heart, or they can simply put it out. Think about the power of words and how these words can do one of two things in our lives, in the world around us. We know that on one hand, words can foster strife. They can promote angry, bitter disagreement over the trivial things in our world as well as the very foundational issues over which we disagree. Words can create for us strife. Now, I was trying to do some research this week and I had a really hard time trying to find an example of people using words that created strife in our world today. Yes, I'm being very facetious in this moment, right? You know, I do not live under a rock. It is really easy to find people who are sowing strife in the world today, right? Turn on a radio, turn on the television, read a magazine, read a newspaper, go out and read a blog. It's, it's rampant in the world around us. The words that are sowing strife amongst us, creating conflict in how we engage with one another. And I'm just cynical enough to believe that they're doing it on purpose. Now, maybe I'm the only one that believes that. But you think about words, how words can foster strife and lead us into strife in our own lives. It can lead us to believe that God is absent from the world, that God's no longer with us. The way in which we use words. Some of you experience this in powerful and profound ways in multiple places in your lives. You might experience it at work or at school. For those of you that inhabit city halls, state houses, or D.C., you see it there. For those of us that just simply let it into our homes and what we read and what we listen to, or how we talk with one another, strife through our words is there. And we experience it in our lives. We know the differences between, right? We know what strife is. We also know that words can bring peace. They have the power to bring peace. But they are seldom used words in our world. Even though they have the power to bring calm and peace, they're not available to us very often. We don't say them ourselves very often. It's hard to find examples of peacemakers in this world. I want to know where in your life Do you see peace today? Where are the words of peace being spoken to you? Where did they come from? And more importantly, or maybe just as importantly, where in life are you speaking peace to others? Right? I think we're familiar with the phrase, don't shoot the messenger. How many of you have 
You're familiar with that phrase, right? Don't shoot the messenger. We might not necessarily be familiar with where it came from. Let me give you a, a couple of historical examples of how we got to this idea that we carry. In, in 441 B.C., Sophocles wrote a tragedy, and the tragedy was called Antigone. And one of his lines in the tragedy is this. No one loves the messenger who brings bad news, right? We all know that line. That's where we got the line, don't shoot the messenger, because that's what happened in the ancient world. Messengers who brought bad news, they lost their lives in the old world, right? And so in the 2nd century A.D., Plutarch, who was a writer, had a compilation called, called The Lives of the Noble Greeks and Romans. And in it, he shared stories about how these people operated. And one of them is a story of a guy by the name of Tigranus. Tigranus had a messenger come to him. The messenger's name was Lucullus. Lucullus dared to bring Tigranus bad news, and for that, he was beheaded. Because that's the way the ancient world worked. Don't shoot the messenger, right? The Israelites, as we know, lived in the midst of strife and devastation. That's part of their reality at the time of the writing of Isaiah. And in the midst of all of this strife and devastation... They were seeking something. They were seeking a messenger. Not a messenger to describe for them the circumstances they found themselves in. They knew that well. They needed a messenger that would remind them that God was still with them. And of the writers, one of them was Isaiah. Isaiah was a messenger to the people. And Isaiah wrote to them among many different things. And in it was a proclamation of good news. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of a messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God rules. You think about a people, the people of Israel and Judah, needing to be reminded that they are not alone in this. In the midst of their strife and their devastation, They were not alone. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who had delivered their forefathers and their mothers from bondage in Egypt and delivered them into the promised land, that God is still with them. And that God still rules over the destiny of all of creation as well as their destiny. To be reminded that God was still with them. They needed a message of peace. A message that would enable them to live in peace, even in the middle of their devastation and their strife. But not just to live in peace, to also pronounce peace to the world around them. To say that the lookouts in the city will see God coming to Zion, that they would break out in song, that all unrighteousness and strife would depart from them, was a proclamation of how peace should be lived out in their community. According to Isaiah, the Babylonians will not have the final word. Strife will not win. God is not absent in Isaiah. Yes, they may experience some things. The Davidic line may be interrupted, but it will not be severed completely. Yes, the city of Jerusalem may lay in ruins, but God promises it will be rebuilt. Yes, the temple may have been burnt to the ground, but God says that it will be raised anew. And yes, the people may be in exile, but once again, God says that this is only temporary, for God will deliver them. 
peace. God's peace is coming. And so they should lift up their heads and sing. In the midst of strife and devastation, to find peace so that they might sing. Sing the message of peace. How beautiful are the feet of the messenger who announces God's peace. To think of a people in exile receiving a message of peace that might empower them to proclaim peace to all the world. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger is not a question. It's a statement, dear friends. It's a statement of the people who are the messengers of God who come and their feet present a beautiful message to all. If you think about it for us, Advent, dear friends, is a time of dualism for us because we are longing, we are expecting, we are waiting, but we're also becoming in this time of Advent. On one hand, we are hearing the messenger proclaim God's peace that is supposed to be upon the earth. The messenger has come with beautiful feet to announce to us that peace can be our reality. And on the other hand, God is making our feet beautiful so that we might go and be messengers of peace. We aren't the only ones in the world who need the message of God's peace. The world itself needs that message as well. So upon the mountains come the beautiful feet of those who announce peace to us to make our feet beautiful so that we might go forth and announce peace that is for all the world. Let me ask you what you're doing this Advent season. Let me ask you what you're doing to listen for the runner who is coming with the good news of God's peace for you. To announce that God is still with you. What are you doing to prepare for that? And what are you doing to become a messenger? What are you doing to become a messenger who runs into the world with God's message of peace? As I started out, I think it begins with us finding peace ourselves. To find that measure of God's peace in our own lives. To have practices that enable us to do this. I'll be honest with you, dear friends. I know that there is way too much noise in my own life. Right? I just let way too much noise into my life. Way too much noise from the radio and the TV and Facebook and blog posts. There's just way too much noise that I let into my life. I need to learn to develop that practice that Jesus was a master of. And that's going off to the quiet places to go find space for meditation and prayer. To be in prayer and meditation allows us the opportunity to release the anxiety, to quiet the noise in our lives, to shed the chains of strife so that other things might inhabit, might come into us to experience peace. For me, I believe that prayer is a pathway to peace. Peace of heart, mind, and soul. That when we find peace, we can be peacemakers in the world. I think that's the reason Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, is because of his practice of prayer. That practice enabled him to bring peace to all the world around him, to practice peace in the ways in which he interacted with others around him. And so how do we daily strive for, how do we live into peace in a world that is not at peace. Henry Nouwen once wrote these words, and I think they make sense for us in this moment. He said, Peacemaking must be the primary focus of all peoples, whether you are in power or out of power. 
But he said the temptations to personal power are too intense for us to overcome, to overcome our instantly self-centered egos. Therefore, the peace must come from God, a peace that is freely available when we turn inwardly to Jesus. For Jesus is the model of the ultimate source of peace. And in order to claim peace, we must relinquish our own agendas and let ourselves be claimed by God. That last statement is the key one in what he said. To let go of ourselves and our own agenda so that we might be claimed by God as an activity of prayer. To let go and to be claimed. For there, I believe, peace comes and we might be transformed into peacemakers. I read a post this week from a pastor who said that he's going to stop railing against the tide of the cultural takeover of Christmas. If you aren't aware of that, that's a thing, right? Us religious people, we ponder that kind of stuff. The rest of you may not. But us pastors, we have a tendency sometimes to rail against the cultural takeover of Christmas. And we we preach heavily upon it. And about the only thing that we do is, is we make everybody angry at us. Because we try to preach it as a subject of guilt to change your ways, right? It doesn't foster peace when you do that, according to this pastor, right? And so for him, he has determined this season to be an encourager instead. For for you to be encouraged to maybe think about some things that you can also let infiltrate your lives during this season. To be intentional. I think for many of us, we might simply fall into the same routine that we do every Christmas season. And it might create for us some strife in our lives. What if we also are encouraged to intentionally think about some times in which we find peace? Maybe to stop and to pray. To intentional times of stopping and praying this season so that peace might come as well. And you might not find yourself so entrapped in what happens this season. But to also be a peacemaker in the world. Because I know that some of you, you you know folks that inevitably during this time of season, they brink on the edge of insanity, right? Their practices drive you crazy. It drives them crazy as well. How do you be a calm, anxious, non-anxious presence of peace with those who might be anxious this season? Because in your non-anxious presence of peace, you could announce to them what peace could look like in their lives. Share with them the great joy of peace. Why? Because your feet are beautiful. Those that give you pedicures might not agree with that statement, but your feet can be beautiful, right? This season, to hear the messenger who proclaims for you the good news of peace and salvation, that it might come into your heart and rule so that this season you might be a messenger who shares with others the good news of peace and salvation. So here's your conversation points for this morning. Here's what I hope you take away from today and can talk about with one another. For us to all be reminded that we live in a world with ample examples of strife, right? There's lots of them out there. We know what strife looks like in our world. But also be reminded that Israel received a messenger whose feet were beautiful. They were beautiful because they delivered good news, peace. They delivered the message of salvation. And like God's people of old, we are invited today to hear that message for ourselves. That peace might come and rule in our hearts and lives, but also so that we might be sent into the world to be messengers of peace. So here's your invitation for today. 
maybe think about starting each day in the practice of prayer. To get started on kind of the right foot, right? Amen? To hear yourself in this moment. Confess with God what your own strife is and to let go of it in, in that moment and start your day with prayer. To take time during the day to stop and pray as well so that you might find and dwell in God's peace each and every day. But then also to look in the world around you and think of the opportunities where you can share, not in the sowing of more strife, but share the message of peace, of God's peace. And so let's take a moment now to pray. And in our prayer this morning, I'm going to share with you a poem that was written by Charles Wesley, John Wesley's brother. So this is our closing prayer. Peace, troubled heart, be calm, be still. Till thy desire appears, the Lamb shall all my sorrows heal and wipe away my tears. Entering on life's meridian stage, I share, I see the shades appear and feel anticipated age, death's welcome harbinger. Beneath the load, I now stand up and wait the end to see. Hold fast my comfortable hope of immortality. On earth I shall not always live afflicted and oppressed. My Savior will at last receive his mourner to his breast. Here then I rest my fainting soul. And calm calm expect the day that speaks my suffering measure full and summons me away. Patient for life, for thy dear sake. Who lived and died for me. Lo, from thy hand the cup I take. And live and die for thee. May the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. And may it rule in our world. Amen. I'm going to invite our ushers to come at this time. Through the peace of Christ, I pray a proclamation upon you. That God might bless you in this moment of generosity. And in this moment of giving. Thank you so much.